Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good, man. It's, uh, you know, it's Father's Day. It's Sunday. I'm it just, uh, I had I had literally, I think for the first time in my whole life, had breakfast in bed. Dude, that's amazing. And it looks like it was a very good breakfast. I see donuts and bacon. There was a donut. There was eggs, bacon, avocado with uh, everything but the bagel sprinkled on it. That's how I like my Ooh. avocado. It was like mm-hmm. all of my favorite things. So I probably have already eaten like 6,000 calories today. And about as many carbs. Y- yes, that's right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's right. I, I brought some white claw in. As, as we were preparing for our for our day, and you're like, nah, I'm doing beer today. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I get excited when you're on keto breaks. Right. That's right. And it doesn't affect me at all. No. But I get I get excited when you're on keto breaks. Yeah, it feels like we can share a beer together. Yeah. Well, we, we can't. Well, we won't because we're going to each have our own beer. And it's not even coronavirus related. It's that I'm, I'm just not going to share a beer. I'm, <laughs> I'm a grown up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How are you doing, man? A little tired. I had a I had a bit of a um of a snafu this morning. I got home yeah, my usual did. time and and uh you know ended up chatting with uh with with the wife for a little bit. So I didn't get to bed until late, being like nine a.m., which to most people sounds like a really early time to be going to bed. But that's I I'd been up for several hours and I had to be up at one fifteen. That was what my alarm was set for. <laughs> so much uh, for that. Uh, yeah. So between one and one fifteen, about five alarms went off. They did nothing. In your defense, I don't think you, even as crazy as the schedule has gotten uh, for you lately, I don't think you've ever uh, slept in for the show before. This is the first time. It is. I have slept in to go fishing before. Um, but today, yeah, today. So uh, at, at 1.45, I'm still dead in, in bed. And my wife comes in and is like, hey, I don't know. Um, I think you might supposed to be up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm like, Okay, what what time is it? She's like, it's one forty-five. And I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad so you're here. I just rampage through. And I actually made pretty good time. I I got here about two oh five, and we were supposed to start supposed to go live at two. Yeah, uh, you were fine. Yeah. So I, I feel pretty good about the time I made. I and you guys were terrific. I have a donut and bacon in front of me. And happy Father's Day. A pot of coffee. So happy Father's Day indeed. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, uh, yeah it's been a good week. We had kind of a fun week uh, in, in terms of the podcast and the website. You know, the the 5K Ooh, or yeah. the Dress KX yeah. review went up on the website. And First it's been, to market. What up? Yeah, that's that's right. You know, I, I knew sort of when we ordered that thing, like the day it was released on Watch Nation, I knew, you know, we're going to get these before most people have had a chance to sort of play with them. So uh will did just you know will does what he does uh with the photography and the and the review side of things and i i contributed sort of a column about what the what the watch means and it's been just really well received because the watch is well received this it'll be one of the most popular watches of the year yeah i think people are really excited about the watch too so if you haven't if you haven't go to watchclicker.com and check out our review of the these you know uh new srpe uh dress kx is what i'm calling them i think that's a fun name um and i think it's perfectly appropriate yeah yeah maybe not totally accurate but I yeah think, i think it'll stick check that out on watchclicker.com i think that went up on thursday so um yeah but with that with that we do have some guests we here. shouldn't waste any more time because we got some fun folks to talk we, to. we should not so we do have lauren uh and lorenzo ortega from Laurier Watches, and we've got them on the line. They're they're live with us right now, but probably less live for you when you're listening to this. But Lauren and Lorenzo, how are you? 
Hey guys. We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Doing all right. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And it'll be much, much past Father's Day when we when we release this, but it's still the spirit of Father's Day. So to all of you folks uh, at home, uh, happy Father's Day to you. Uh, uh, you know, keep doing the things you're doing and be good dads. <laughs> That's right. Father's Day is every day. Yes. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe I a little it, bit. At least. Maybe a little bit. So uh, we, we guys... So, sorry, go ahead. I, I just said you just got to work it. You know, work that. That's right, and we, and we have to remember that uh, when when we dads are at home with the kids, we're not babysitting. We're just actually being dads, right? I think that's the that's that was the a, most important takeaway. <laughs> I got that advice about ten hours into being a parent when when I was back at work. Uh, my my boss is like, just remember, you're not babysitting. You're a dad. Yeah. I'm like, all right, <laughs> thanks, man. This is actually just like, what it means can, to be a parent. Can I go back to the hospital now? <laughs> like, no i still need some stuff from you but <laughs> so you guys have joined us all the way from manhattan which is just a wonderful place to be uh, uh one of my favorite places to be although i'm not sure i'd love to live there uh mm, i don't think because so. there's a lot you know we live in a in sleepy eugene oregon um how, how's things in manhattan right now well you know you talk about oregon being sleepy but for the past three months manhattan has also been pretty quiet um, it's getting louder now. It's slowly going back to the way things were. We're starting phase two tomorrow, but in the before times, it was <laughs> wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. We hope we can get back out there soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we spent six and a half years in Texas coming here from New York. And New York just has an energy that really no other city has. And I'm thinking about Paris and Hong Kong, and those are also great cities, but New York has its own unique character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really wouldn't trade for anything else. We're, we're really lucky um, to have been able to move back here, and we did it as soon as we could. Not... We we took a risk and been like, I think this is gonna work out. Let's do it. Yeah, and and it's worked out, um, and we're we're loving it. It feels good. Um, yeah, our apartment is half the size it was in Texas, and rent costs three times as much, but totally worth it. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. And you guys uh, weren't living in like some sleepy backwood town. You you guys were in Houston, right? Like right. Houston proper. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah, weird. that's right. That's yeah. like three yeah. three million people in Houston, right? Yeah, I it's, so. It's, I just I think it's the fourth largest city in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. There's it's, six it's, lane it's, freeways oh. there. Like that's a huge city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Houston's a great city too. Yeah, yeah. It's just there, there's you, you can find everything in Houston, and it's mm-hmm. very it has so much character. And I, and I'm gonna say I something. I'm gonna say something that might offend a few people, but Do we it. used to live in Austin before Houston, and I actually much prefer Houston to Austin. What? Houston? Yes, yes. Yeah. Houston is more diverse. It's more energetic. There's it more is, going on. But it's down to earth, so there's not a lot of a hype around it. Stuff is just happening with very little fanfare, so it's very often overlooked. 
but there are just little gems everywhere. So definitely give Houston a chance um, if you haven't yet. And go during the fall, winter, spring months. Stay away during the summer. Yeah. Unless you have access to a swimming pool because it's, it, it's hot. It's hot. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of time in Houston. I've, I've been several times. And I spent Christmas there one year. Uh-huh, I and it was seven. Yeah, but I much preferred Austin, and it, maybe it's because I never lived in Houston. I, and I, I've, I lived very close to Austin. Well, and you're from Portland too, right? Austin probably felt it felt like home. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There, I mean, there are there is some really great things about Austin too, and we enjoyed living there. Um, but Houston's—I wouldn't say Houston surprised us, but Houston was just very satisfying in a very like in a very easy way um, is just chill. Did Houston right. have Rudy's or Torchies? They have comparable places. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Houston is this really sort of, uh, it, it's sort of more, more than any other sort of U.S. city. It's sort of the city of the future, right? Uh, you, you know, they've got the space program with, with Deep Roots and they've got, uh, you know, just tech for days. They're sort of the uh, one of the biggest hubs for tech immigration and advancement. I mean, Houston's just this really neat place, but it's also giant, right? Which has this sort of smoothing and leveling effect. And a swamp. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the only thing about Houston. It's very spread out. It's a lot of driving, a lot of highways. And but other than that, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, there's an article on GQ. I forget what it's called, but it makes the case that Houston is the capital, the cultural capital of the Southwest. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Well, very good points. I think without further ado, you know, because I, I actually think that there's maybe a whole show here in sort of uh, cultural cult- cultural phenomena across the United States. But I, I suspect some of the folks listening in might be disappointed uh, if we didn't talk. If we didn't talk about these watches. So now you have sent us uh approximately half of your current catalog not not half of the full catalog but but in terms of the models we have in front of us a series three neptune and in front of us a series two falcon which are i think i think it's fair to say these are maybe the two staple pieces from your collection whereas the hydra and the gemini are are one-offs perhaps or or maybe a little bit sort of uh, more interesting, complicated pieces. These are just deep cuts, if you will. These are just center, flags, centerpieces, yeah. flagships. What, 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 tell us about a, a little bit about your collection. What what you guys are doing right now? Yeah, that sounds about pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> oh yeah, I'll take that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Be- um, before you guys start, can I ask? Can I ask? And this is a matter of preference, and you guys get to dictate. Uh, Gemini or Gemini? Gemini. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we know. Uh, Forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say. So the collection, Falcon and Neptune being our flagships. Yeah, we love that. I mean, as you mentioned, you have the Series 3 and the Series 2. So these are brand new, just introduced. We just started shipping these out um, to customers 
um, a couple of weeks a ago. Couple of weeks right. Ago. Uh, right. We we're sort of on the front on the front lines. Last week. Oh, I said we just started shipping the Falcon out last week. So mm. you are some of the very first to see it in person because we didn't have any wind up. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Neptune is pretty much our platonic ideal of what a dive watch is, at least in our heads and hearts. And same for the Falcon. It's, it's what an all around sports watch should be to us. Whereas, you know, with a chronograph, like it, I could say the same thing for the Gemini. That's our ideal vision of a sports chronograph. But at the same time, the wearability of a, of a chronograph isn't as all-encompassing all encompassing as, as a diver or just an all-around one like the Falcon. Right. So, Well, I think, so, so this is our first experience actually with Laurier watches, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if you guys know this or not, and maybe you do. Um, Laurier, I think, I don't know this for sure. I think one other watch, uh, one other maybe micro brand watch we've mentioned on the show more times than Laurier watches. And that's the EMG Nemo. We are in love with the EMG Nemo. I think everybody knows this with, with only that exception. I think we've talked about your watches in more of our sort of listicle type episodes than any other watch, whether that's the Neptune or um, the Falcon in particular, I think is the second it came out, we were both intrigued. Our very first episode, episode one of the 40 and 20 podcast, the, the Watch Clicker podcast now, but it was not at the time. We spent, I think, 15 minutes of the hour and 15 minutes or so talking about you had just, just, mm-hmm. I think, that week announced the Neptune Series 2 the Falcon and the Hydra. I, I think they came out in sort of a, a sort of block announcement, and you had just announced them, and we dick dedicated you know twenty percent of that first episode of Forty and Twenty to Laurier watches. So I am actually embarrassed a little bit that we haven't had you on the show before now. Well, I'm glad you have yeah, well, the show uh, yeah, now. Yeah, wow, it's an honor. Yeah, but uh, actually, funny story: we were at a wind up San Francisco last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, it was only last year. It seems so long ago now. But <laughs> someone came to our table and said, yeah, I, I, I came here specifically for the Falcon because these guys at 40 and 20. Get out. So much. And he bought it. I was like, wow. This is That's actually excellent, right? I, I mean, not that we, uh, not that we, you know, we sort of tongue in cheek refer to us, ourselves as in influencers occasionally, but when we hear stuff like that, it's sort of like, wow, people care. I don't know why, uh, but people care what we say, which is weird. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I, well, I think it's just, you know, having that down to earth spirit. Maybe. And a third party as well. They know you're just watch fans. And so you're going to tell it like it is. We're, that's it. We're totally just watch fans. What's really cool um, about this community is there's so much material available from people who just have a passion for watches. And it's no no ulterior motive. They just, there's that joy they want to share. And it's a huge 
I mean, it's it's incredible. Learned, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. Actually, Lauren, I think you brought up a really good point in that. So sometimes people forget that we're not just a brand, that we're also watch enthusiasts ourselves. Yeah. So sometimes when we write something or when we say something, people think it's marketing, which I guess is understandable because I mean, it still is. Like, it is literally marketing oftentimes, right? But we try not to have it in a marketing lens. Like when, when you write something, it's like, yeah, no, we're just really speaking for ourselves because this is really what we think. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> we're not really trying to sell a person on something. It's just, yeah, we did. We did we're right. We wrote this because this is what we wanted. <laughs> you, you know, I, I do it. What, what was that last bit, Lorenzo? Oh, uh, I, I just said, oh, we wrote this or we said this, not because we're trying to sell you on something. It's just, we're just trying to explain why we did what we did. Right, right. Yeah. Why we wanted to do what we did. Well, uh, so so it's interesting you say that. Uh, you guys are, um, you guys are, have come to this, I think, differently than many, you know, we've talked to at this point, I don't know, 20 different brand owners. Uh and, you know, we hear similar stories every time. We hear folks that were forum junkies. We hear folks that were, you know, got into this on Instagram. Um, you, you know, it, there is a sort of, and cliche sounds like a bad word, but there is a bit of a cliche background, you know. Uh, how did you get into watches? Well, the forums and time factors and and watches seek and and then Instagram and then I was like, there's this thing missing. But you guys didn't do that. You guys came from a different place. Can you maybe thirty seconds, forty five seconds, uh, talk about how you got here? You know what you were doing because the story is kind of fun. Well, I mean, we came from a place of trying to make a watch that was ideal for us as individuals, and that's still how we approach our design. So we don't necessarily, I mean, of course the forms are out there and opinions are out there, but we prioritize our own uh, needs and, and what we find most alluring about watches. We came from this. Yeah, I think we end up being kind of different because we're not really collectors ourselves. And so when we started, it was just, okay, what is to us the perfect watch? And I mean, even at the beginning, it wasn't something we were totally set on doing. It was just, let's just draw it up, sort of. Mm -hmm. And if it works, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then I guess we don't share tastes with most people. Yeah. <laughs> we said that to ourselves. That's, always the, that's always the gamble. Like, this looks great to us. We're not crazy, right? No, you're not. To, you're, to you're be not, really yeah. clear, you're you're absolutely not. Uh, so, uh, yeah, when we came to it, like we were teaching, we had this summer off. We basically had in our collection, both of us, we had like a sports watch, we had a Seiko diver, and then we had vintage Omegas. The wedding for, ring watches. Oh, excuse me? The wedding the wedding ring watches. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there we still have them. Um, yeah, we for our wedding, we we got matching or complimentary uh, vintage Omegas mm -hmm. instead of rings. L um, Lorenzo, can I ask you have you um, have you repaired your Omega and had the seals lubricated? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, the ceiling is another story. 
it's, it's so old it can't actually be sealed unless we replace the whole case. I mean, so it's, it's yeah, it but but it's fixed and it's fine. He's just not gonna take it anywhere. There may be some moisture. Right, right. <laughs> like on the counter in the bathroom while you're taking a shower, it's a no go. It's yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> 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 yep, yep. So, so you guys mentioned it. Teaching is your background. And so that's where you came from. How do you think, how has that shaped your take on this business and what you're doing, reaching out to people? What, like, I, you guys have taken a, such a unique approach, so different than other brands. And I, I think it's largely in part to your teaching background. How has coming up as educators shaped your philosophy as business owners and a brand? Mm -hmm. A good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, that's, you know what? That's why we get the big bucks, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, yeah. I think you can see hints of it as that we're very, I don't want to say educational, but we're very explanatory about why we do what we do. Like we have a blog that's very thorough on our design influences and why we choose certain approaches. Um we also, I mean, one thing we still want to feel that we miss from teaching is the personal connection. Yeah. And this, and we still, we take a personal approach and we want to do good by others. We want to, mm -hmm. I don't know. We, we really don't. Um, this might be not, this might not be that unique. But we, we tend to think of what would be best for the customer rather than what's going to bring in the most money. Um, just in terms of, for example, the wait list we're doing now is very counterintuitive from a business sure. um, perspective because typically if you have this much demand, you'd want to take in pre-orders and get that money up front and you can invest it all in production and produce as many as you need right at once. But we've, we've tried pre-orders before and it was just too stressful for everyone. And we were doing our waitlist system now where there's no money up front. You just give us your name, your basic, basic information. And then when there's a watch ready for you, you'll, We'll send you an email and you'll have the opportunity to order it. And so I feel like a lot of people would look at us and be like, why are you doing it in such a, a lot of people who are very mad at us for not producing more <laughs> are probably looking at us and like, why are, why are you leaving money on the table and why are you taking a slower approach to this? But we really just want to make things easier on people. And I especially now in this uncertain environment where yeah. maybe you job or maybe still have it, but you may be worried that you could lose it, you know, next month or whenever, like, ooh. it just doesn't seem very aware of us. Very, very good to be asking for money for payment up front um, sure. for people. So, well, I don't, I yeah, but actually, yeah, yeah. Now that you like, now, now that you asked that question, I th that got me thinking because I I had never thought of our approach as unique. But then again, I don't really we don't really compare 
how we do things compared to other brands. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I guess, uh, I guess we kind of have our blinders on a little bit and we're just kind of focused on doing what we feel like we need to do. Mm-hmm. And like Lauren was saying, I feel like our teaching backgrounds come through in the sense that we have to make it in a way that makes sense to the customer or the owner. Well, um, and, and so, I think that that I think that comes through in your design language, right? You know, I think that your decision to do certain things, like like uh, your your uh, commitment to the acrylic crystal, which which we're huge fans of. I, I you know I I just listened to our episode one because I noticed that we had talked. You know, you were in our show notes from episode one, and I thought, well, how cool is that? Um, the things that we were uh, saying about Laurier in that episode one, you know, I, I think that we had sort of just been introduced to your brand. And I'll admit right now, if you listen to it, we say Laurier about a hundred times, uh, which, you know, sorry, guys. <laughs> but, we're not we're not classy fellows. No, we're not. We're not. But the things that we were sort of drawing from your design language are things that I think have have continued on. You know, here we are dang near two years later. Um, and, and the things that we were sort of pointing out, you know, they've, the Falcon at the time, I think had 200 meters of water resistance and, you, you know, which is just, which is just incredible for a 39 millimeter dress sport watch. Uh, you, you know, the, the acrylic crystal, which we said in the episode, we we're like, gosh, that's so cool. Right. I love an acrylic crystal. I love the warmth. I love the polishability. I love the, the resiliency and, that, and it matches the design cues of the rest of the watch anyway. It should be an acrylic crystal. And and and, and sort of the commitment to that maybe underlies a, a commitment to a, an aesthetic that is uh, counter to pure profitability, right? You can do a sapphire crystal cheaper. You can, you know, in, in terms of design and prototyping, you, you know, maybe the crystal itself is more expensive, but in order to integrate, right, you, you, you've sort of made critical decisions uh to to establish the brand and how to, what other ways does that manifest well i think i mean yeah now you're drawing these connections but for us because we we came to it from a point of passion but also we have a very specific vision that we need to stick to in order to stay true to ourselves mm-hmm. and our larger goals um yeah, we, oh man, I just went, I just <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we were okay with, um, with doing things that are a little against the grain. We, we were just fine, um, with not appealing to everyone, um, in some ways, because we weren't sure how this would go or where this would go. And so we didn't really have much motivation to appeal to you know, the lowest common denominator, we just wanted to see if our passion um, could be communicated and could be shared with others. Yeah, I think one part of it is, well, we're going to do our own thing anyway, so might as well do it our way all the way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Did I just think of that? Um, (laughs) You guys are marketing just right now, live on the air. <laughs> um, There's got to be a song about that. I've never told the story before, but um, back in grad school, I, I think it was 
my senior year of college, I was I was working at this uh, financial analytics firm across from Grand Central Station. And there's this store on the 45th Street passageway called Grand Central Watch. Lorenzo, this sounds like uh, this sounds like a, a, a vignette out of a Faulkner story. Just just keep going. Yeah. But I just want. <laughs> okay. And and so so there's this little store on the 45th Street passageway, and they have this little window, and it's at the time this was 10 years ago now. Uh, it was filled with these just beautiful vintage Rolexes, and I I had been looking for what I wanted to be my watch for the rest of my life, and obviously at the time, actually till now, I still can't afford a vintage Rolex, so I had on a Kemner 007. I don't know if you guys remember Kemner. No. But it was, it, it was this small, small micro brand operating out of Germany. And it was this one guy, uh, Roland Kemner, or, or maybe it was Ronald. I, I can't remember, but he's, he's retired now. And it was, it was basically a sub homage. And, you know, it, it looked, it was called 007, and it was a, an homage to the 6538. And so I was looking at, at that on my wrist. And I was looking at the vintage Rolexes in the window and they just looked so different from each other. I was like, what is, what is the missing ingredient here? Cause the design is similar, but why do they, why do they look so different? Why do they feel so different? And I think it's because back then they had different design priorities. Like now with sort of modern engineering methods, everything, everything can be lined up a certain way or with market demand, everything has to meet a certain spec. So, oh, it has to be under 12 millimeters. Oh, it has to have a sapphire crystal. And in a way that's, those are limits that they didn't have back then. Like a a vintage Submariner is pretty thick. It's, you know, 15 to 16 millimeters, you know, if you include the crystal. And there's a nice, there's a nice layering to them that, that I think doesn't exist in even modern Rolexes now. Like if you look at the scalloping on the bezel, it's totally different. If you look at the acrylic crystal from back then, like the, just the way it plays with light is so special, and that's just been kind of lost now. Yeah. And so when when we were doing this brand. Kind of that that vision was just stuck in my head of okay, how do we replicate that feeling of okay, yeah, this came, this thing might have come from 50, 60 years ago, except it's new now, and you don't have to worry about servicing it, and it's not, and it doesn't cost five figures. I love that. So, are you guys now- to that point now, or in as as you grow, are there any? compromises you feel like you're making now with the design production uh etc of your watches or are you guys at that point now and as you grow you're just going to keep improving on what you're doing i think anything we do it's with an eye to improve it personally for us Mm -hmm. we do listen to feedback um and uh, the feedback we were getting from previous models was one, I would have paid much more money for this watch. 
And two, um, I, it would be great if it was thinner. How? Well, our our watches were were thicker because we were using a Seiko movement. Yeah. Yeah. there needed to be a certain height to the case. Yeah, we hear, um, you know, we actually hear that when when we started posting this Falcon Falcon 2 uh, on the website. And and I, I think I sort of opined, hey, you know, this thing is really sort of great for a number of reasons. We heard, you know, well, the Falcon 1 was really thick. We're, you know, but this Falcon 2, holy shit, we're, we're excited to see, you, you know, this this new dimensional consideration. So that's, it's obvious that you guys are, are hearing feedback. Um I mean, you guys could also have just made a watch without a movement if you wanted to achieve the thinness that people want. <laughs> just a painted dial. Yeah. 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 That's uh, right. Yeah. The best movement is no movement, movement and no water. <laughs> Talk about durability. <laughs> you just yeah, draw yeah. it on every day. It's great. Once we knew that, because, you know, part of our goal is making the ideal watch for ourselves and who we were, who we are, um, there's certain price limitations mm. when we're price conscious. Um, and so our goal is to make, first of all, we want to spread the love of mechanical watches and we feel like making them as accessible as possible um, plays a large role in that. And so we wanted to keep it you know, under 500 under 400 which is what we were able to do with the Seiko movement yeah um and once we heard people were willing to pay more um we thought you know I think we can um change the movement you know use a more expensive movement and we can then have more freedom with the design because if you have to work with a certain thickness for us and our goals and trying to make a very um, elegant um, case with graceful lines, you have to take in consideration the thickness um, because it's all about proportions and how it looks as a, as a total unit. Um, But with it, you can start making a thinner watch. Then you can play with the rest of the proportions with the rest of the dimensions as well. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it was it was really worth it. So the the Miyota Nine series for for us costs about three times what the Seiko movement does. Um, but it's a great so, move. But it's a great move to make, right? For for achieving your goals, it's a fantastic move. Yes, yeah. So it was just it, it was kind of a gamble because it was. I, I mean, we still get criticism for raising our price by a hundred dollars, but I, I mean, this just it, it's a better movement. It's it's better made. I mean, it's made to a higher standard. So, yeah, and and it, like Lauren said, it allowed us to flesh out the identities of each model more. So, are there uh, are there other are there other compromises? So, I I actually really love the fact that you've sort of picked a few price points. I think you know, two years ago, year and a half ago, it was four hundred, and I think now it's maybe uh, come up twenty percent, right? So now we're at that five hundred level. Both the Neptune three. And the 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 Falcon are at five hundred. Great price point still. There's no yeah. there's no shame in those price points. Are, do, are there any compromises that you feel have sort of pushed through um, where you think if I had unlimited budget, here's here's what I might do differently? Um, and and what are those things? If so, 
So for me, actually, so I, I would say this is a compromise, but only because we're a little crazy. <laughs> so I, I, I love friction bezels. And if, if I could have it that way, the Neptune and the all Gemini... The watches, all the watches with rotating bezels. Yeah, all the watches with rotating bezels would have friction bezels. And we were actually going to... We actually... One reason why the Gemini release was delayed is because we were prototyping with the friction bezel initially, but we brought it to our service center, <clears throat> which is actually in a nice little twist of fate, Grand Central Watch. Um, the oh, yeah. Runs go to. Full uh, circle. Honestly, so full circle. Um, we brought it there and um, we got some very wise feedback. Um, just saying, you know, not every customer might respond to this in the way you want them to, because not everyone is familiar with friction bezels and they might see it as a step down. Yeah. They mm. may want to feel and hear that click. Um, so we're like, you know what? Okay. We're already, you know, taking a gamble with this entirely new model. We don't know what the reaction is going to be. So, and we already have to do enough education when it comes to explaining the uh, the benefits of an acrylic crystal and all that. So like, we don't want to choose another fight right now. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's yeah. abandon that. I'm, I'm going to pick a fight though with the Neptune. I want a 60 click. Huh. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Sorry. I just, okay. every, every, I love, I love this. Why I put it on. I was like, Everett, I think I'm going to take this. And then he gave me the Falcon. I was like, I'm going to take this too. Just, just <laughs> so you know, the, these are mine now. Um, <laughs> I this everything about it just feels like a 60 click to me and the bezel the bezel is terrific on it I really yeah. like it but yeah, I that just fine coinage is just the all the designs of it I just I the first time I clicked it I was like oh it's gonna go oh it's a it's a 120 which people expect right I, I could yeah. be in the minority of people who really like 60 click bezels but you know whatever so with that fight that I've now picked, we can move right past it. We don't have to. You don't have to fight me on it. You get no opportunity to respond. Sorry, or, this or is do our show or do respond. Um, <laughs> take your pick. So you can. Yeah. Well, the reason why we had a one funny quick click bezel was because when we were teaching, or when I was when I was teaching, I would use my watch to time classroom activities. Yeah. So it was really useful mm. able to have it on a halfway minute point. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't care about functionality. <laughs> I don't well, even know how to use a bezel. I just like to twist it. Come on. With so that that's kind of a nice segue. When when we're when when you guys are going into your designs and, and you guys are sitting down and either prototyping or looking to improve on a model, what are you taking more into account? Are you taking more your philosophy and and this broad idea of the watch or are you looking more at the the physical improvements you can make to it whether it be cleaner lines better finishing um just just a little bit tighter specs which, which direction are you going are you going that that very philosophical big idea or are you going down to the nitty-gritty details of the of the actual finished product it starts out with the big philosophical idea. I think it was Jason from Helios, and I'm just going to steal it from him. He mentioned the idea of archetypes. Mm -hmm. So 
And we have this archetype in mind of, you know, what a dive watch should be. And so we kind of start from there and sort of flesh out that idea on Illustrator. But then, but then we do have to kind of get nitty gritty in order to meet that bigger idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, it's really cliche, but it's all in the details, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, just fractions of a millimeter, right? Change everything, and L- if you literally, change, mm-hmm. you have to change one thing that could have unintended repercussions. You know, it, it's like a ripple effect. Everything works in cooperation um, with the others. So it's, 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 it's like a dance. You just find the right, you have to find how everything goes together in the most cohesive way. Right. And we will drive our engineer crazy because we'll say, no, this is, you know, half a millimeter off. Can you make it half a millimeter shorter or longer? And, you know, he'll be like, oh, but it's just half a millimeter. And if I change it, then the factory is going to say, oh, you're being too picky. And it's going to take a month to do. And I get, well, I guess we're waiting a month then. Because like if, if, we, if we don't do this half a millimeter, then we'll regret it forever. Having the watch like that, that's half a millimeter off. And we'll never be able to unsee it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And, and you know, we, we actually hear that a lot, right? The difficulty of working with factories um, and, and sort of working overseas and working across language barriers. And, you know, there's a number of things that happen in, in the design philosophy. So, so to, that, to that end, I guess, right, when we look at the Neptune 1 versus the Neptune 2 and now versus the Neptune 3 and, 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 and also with the Falcon, right? The Falcon 1 versus Falcon 2. Um, what's really been, what's been your sort of comprehensive approach to, I I mean, maybe it's not comprehensive, but what's been your approach to improving, improving these watches? You know, it's, it's four watches. It's, and it's kind of always been four watches, right? You had the Neptune and then it was four watches. What's been your approach to improving and, and evolving these things? Well, I mean, first of all, there's a gamble in improving because it might be fine just the way it's already. Um, there's, it's always a risk to change something that's already well loved by a lot of people. And so it's something we take very seriously um, and take into consideration. Um, some of the improvements are made from a purely physical um, engineering standpoint, um, as our factory and engineers become more experienced with what we want, they're able to find ways to make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so, for example, working with acrylic crystal, um, making sure the water resistance is there and, and, and what does the interior of the case need to be like to support that. Um, there's a lot of lost knowledge around um, engineering and manufacturing um, using an acrylic crystal. And so there's, there's more confidence and, and just more knowledge with the experience that comes with it. Um, another thing is just living with the watch for a while. Um, it's, you can get very much in a cocoon in terms of designing. Yeah. Um, and you kind of lose, I don't want to say 
perspective, but every so often you start to question yourself and you're like, wait, is this good? Is this an improvement or is this just different? Am I going crazy? <laughs> um, it, it can mess with your head. Um, I think it helps that there's two of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely someone else to ground you. Some when stabilization. You yes. Um, and so living with the watch for a while and experiencing it, wearing it, using it, and over time, you, you bro with it. And then you can say, hmm, maybe we could change it in this way. You know, the Falcon, you know, for the for the case that we were able to use the Falcon um, looks good. But I think it could really shine if we made it a bit smaller and thinner. I think it could really blossom. It could really chip away at its personality a little bit more if we made those changes. And with the Falcon, I mean, those are radical changes. But I think you can really, I think it really shows its soul. Mm-hmm. It's such a good watch, you guys. It's a 36 millimeters. Who does that? It's actually a fucking insane change to make, you guys. I'm sorry. It's insane. And I get this thing yeah. on my wrist and I'm like, I'm not going to ever wear another watch again. So about whenever, whenever your last Falcon ones sold out, I was on the website on we'll call it a monday mm-hmm. and my wife call was like, it you just call it a monday call it a monday yeah. andrew on a monday and <laughs> and i was like hey i think i'm gonna buy a watch my wife's like yeah okay cool and i i, I get distracted and i don't <clears throat> and i go back to the website on tuesday and there is you're gone they're out there that was the oh. end and and i tell ev i'm like dude this this is tragic and he's like, dude, text him, text him, hit him up on Instagram. I bet they've got one. And and now that this is out, I'm so glad I didn't because I I know I would have loved the bigger version, but I put this on and it just it it became a part of me. And now you can't have it back because it's per- permanently oh. affixed. It is so terrific. I, and we loved these watches prior to ever having seen them. We knew that they were going to live up to the expectation there was just no world where they would fail to meet this idea that we had created of them in our head based off of pictures and reviews and you guys and it it somehow exceeded it it is phenomenal oh we're so happy to hear it (laughs) thank you um You guys are just dumbstruck because we said we said nice things. You shouldn't be dumbstruck. You guys know you you did this. This is this is you guys. We're literally speechless. How do you respond to that? Thank you so much. I mean, that's awesome. We're so glad people are responding to it and to the size as well. That was another gamble that was pretty much done primarily for ourselves, and we were hoping people would respond to. That was betting on a fixed horse race in in the way that the industry is going towards downsizing. you guys are ahead of it in the way of of embracing that not quite diminutive but diminutive sized watch where people are they want a smaller watch so we're we're not into 45 millimeter big ass monsters and you guys are are largely ahead of the game in the way of saying no that we're we're going we're going to a 36 such a good yeah. choice 
Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it just, I mean, we both have small wrists, so it made sense to us. And just drawing from the classics, that was another thing that was always in our heads. That always looked good to us, that right. size. I think there's something about, I don't want to say a modest watch, but a, a non, it's not like overly flashy. It's just looks good. It's just there and it's a part of you and it's just solid and it doesn't need to be really big and overwhelming in size um to look really nice and to mm-hmm. yeah you, you guys are making subtle statements and and watches don't have to be statement pieces and and in their subtlety they are a statement in and of themselves they're they're killer they're t-shirt and shorts they're under a jacket they're their money. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's what we go for. We're like, how? I mean, how can you wear this watch? What are you going to wear with it? What kind of vibe is this? What kind of personality would this exude? We take that into consideration, and we hope that there are people out there that exist in our minds yeah. who would wear this watch. And you, you know, every- I think that actually raises an incredible point here, and 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 it's something I want to touch on. We're sort of uh, getting getting long in the tooth here in terms of of overall recording time, but but uh, I think it's important to note that there's maybe two um, disparate camps in terms of modern watch development, especially modern watch development that's hearkening towards something old. Right, you've got. Um, the the very successful and marketable homage industry, right? W- which is, you know, something like, you know, when I started really being conscious of watches, you had uh, Steinhardt, you had Squala. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some of these companies that really do a very good job of making aesthetic representations of classic Rolex Seamaster <coughs> watches, but there's something missing there. I, I mean, there's two there's there's two problems with that. Well, one, there's the problem of having a watch that is kind of a copy, right? You, you know, that that's that's a yucky thing that pe- some people are, are not into, right? Some people think, "Gosh, this is great," and, and other people are sort of repulsed by that idea. Um, but there's a there's a different approach to that, and and I think that this is maybe the approach that you guys have taken. But I want to give you an opportunity to take on it. But there's this idea of a Rolex Explorer, right? The Rolex Explorer, uh, or or the Everest watch, uh, does a thing, right? It, it does a thing that I, I think we see in a couple of other places, right? Obviously, the the Seiko Alpinist is this fantastic hugely water resistant watch you know we see smiths the modern time factor smiths say what you will about the owner's time factors and we hear a lot about that every time we talk every time we talk about time factors uh we (laughs) we hear about the owner uh but 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 that watch does a thing how is that sort of uh, how is that dichotomy that that maybe there's some conflict there? Uh, is that conflict has that uh, tension affected your um, approach to this thing? Well, I think what you're saying, how like the watch does a thing, like you kept repeating that phrase. It's that thing we're looking for. We're not looking at. We're not looking to replicate you know, detail by detail, the watch, we're looking to encapsulate the thing it does. 
Um, and so that's, that's really our approach. And so that's why you're not going to find us probably ever using like faux patina. Good. Um, Thank the Lord. Because we are not into it. We're not into it just because it's old. We don't want something that looks old. We want something that looks good. Um, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely about the thing, right? The the spirit of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, some things, some designs just work, and they're the classic. Like it, you can't improve on on a certain design in terms of its functionality, in terms of its look, its symmetry, and you end up seeing that type of design in many different watches because it looks so good and it's so functional. You see so many different, um, that's what so many watches are so similar. You see baton markers, you see, you know, circular markers. It's, they're just things that work. Well, yeah, um, there's only so many things you can do unless, yeah. unless you want to draw like stick figures as your markers, which I think would be a little bit off. <laughs> Maybe first, but then it would just be, yeah, I, I think one of the things that's very impactful to us philosophically is the fact that Rolexes back in the day were really accessible. Mm -hmm. You see these ads, and it's like Rolex of Mariner, $150, which is about $1,600 in today's money. And, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of insane. Like, if, if you think about how much cheaper healthcare was back then, how much cheaper housing was back then. The, the fact that, you know, people didn't really have student loans back then. Hmm. If anyone, if they could save enough, had access to a Rolex. And that, that design language, it lasted. It was right. classic, it was clean, it looked good. And everyone could have something that really looked good and stood the test of time on their wrist. And so that's something that we want to do. Right. And um, yeah, exactly. Right. Now that's very kind of does, doesn't exist anymore. Now it's now you buy a Rolex. I mean, I'm not going to cast a white net, but some people buy a Rolex because, you know, that that old joke. It's like, oh, yeah, this watch is really nice. It tells you exactly how rich you are. It's yeah. very accurate. But yeah, so that spirit of, oh, yeah, I'm just going to buy a watch because it really looks good. And I'm going to wear it wherever. And then when I get old, I'm going to pass it down to my kids. You, you, so we, you guys are fantastic. You, you, you're wonderful. Uh, and you're adorable. People can't see you. You guys are, you know, you guys, sometimes we're trying to communicate with you with our hands, but you guys are looking at each other. I think that's super fun, right? You can tell that you guys are both super passionate. And I, and I love to see that. Um, Take thirty seconds and sort of tell people about what what you're doing right now, where they can find you, and how we and how and how we how we go about uh, learning more about Laurier right now. Well, first check out our website www.laurierwatches.com. Um, we have a blog there that explains design philosophy. It, it explains our most recent releases, um, so you kind of get. Um, an introduction in, in what we're trying to accomplish with our watches. Um, all our watches right now are, like I mentioned earlier, we have a waitlist system set up. So if you're interested in one of those watches, you can enter your info on a waitlist um, and we'll contact you when the watch is ready to go. And you're um, basically reserving a watch at no cost to you. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, 
Yeah, we, we post a lot more on Instagram than any other social media. But we don't post that that often. Um, it's kind of a, we feel like it's kind of a jerk thing to do if you don't have like a watch available to be like putting in someone's. No, it's called a tease. That's 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 right. classic marketing <laughs> yeah. technique. That's how Tesla does it. They're like, hey, look at this awesome thing. We've not even made one yet, but look at it. <laughs> <laughs> we may ha- we may be doing that, but yeah, it's um. We don't worry. We're not dead. We're just a little busy. We'll post eventually. <laughs> and so, when when folks reach out, who who does your social media management? Who is engaging with people trying to engage with you? We both do. It's very personal. This is something that's very personal for us. That's that. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Like when when people are reaching out, they're talking to. You guys, the the brand owners, the brains, the heart, the passion behind the brand. Yes, we do everything. And it's great because when I say everything, obviously, we don't, you know, everything except manufacture. We don't manufacture. We don't have a shop out in the back. Um, But if someone reaches out to us, they're talking to us. Lorenzo does the photography. We, you know, the website is something we built. Um, It's we, we do the packing and shipping. Um, and so on one side, it's really nice to have that personal connection. And we feel much more connected with the owners of our watches. Um, and that's really satisfying. And on the other hand, there's just so much pressure because we feel everything. There's no disconnect. There's no distance. We can say, okay, yes, handle that, please. You know, no, it's, <laughs> it's going to be. So, um, it's, it's intense, but it's been really fulfilling. It's mm-hmm. been really satisfying. Well, it's, it's, it's really awesome. And we're super into the watches. And, uh, obviously as we, as we have these watches for a few more weeks, please, you know, continue to look for, for pictures on Instagram and, and whatnot. And, and, and do check out, uh, do check out Laurier, Laurier watches on Instagram, uh, and, and check out their website, check out what they're, what they're doing. Cause they're doing really fun things. So I do, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think at this point we're going to move on to other things. I know it's sad. Andrew, don't look at me like that. Don't, don't, don't the give puppy me that. eyes. I'm, I'm puppy really eyes, hanging out with them. Lamentations. Andrew, do you have any other things that you want to talk about this week? Because no. sometimes you, <laughs> what do you got? Other things go. So I have a Netflix show that I, uh, recently consumed. Okay. And, it's a newish show. I don't know exactly how long it's been. I saw the tile for a while before we finally started it. It's called Queen of the South. Have you watched it? I haven't. It is a Netflix show. I've heard that. That, that, I, that I said already. And it tells the story of this woman. And it, 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 it's one of those shows that, or, or media productions that you see the end right up front. Yeah, this is how this is going to go. And then you get narration of the experience leading up to that and so it's this woman who is a cartel kingpin i've always wanted to be a cartel kingpin the money would be great right just imagine the stuff you could have i mean so the opening scene she's like watch she's walking through her mansion all glam she does it she she gets a bump of blow and then gets smoked through a window she's like people have been trying to do this since whenever and then it cuts back to whenever it's like the end of casino yeah, yeah, yeah. so she uh then she starts telling her story and it's the story of this of this woman who uh rises to power to to be the head of a cartel uh 
operation from being like a, a money cleaner on on the streets of Mexico. And it just shows her trajectory. And it's terrifically shot. Like the cinematography is great. The acting is phenomenal. And it's it's people you don't recognize, but people that are that have still been in the sphere for a long time. I think everyone seems familiar, but not like, oh yeah, I know that guy. It's like, oh, that's Al Pacino. Yeah, I mean, he like obviously this is a pick. No, and none like it, it's just it's terrific. Absolutely, check it out. We watched it in a very short period of time. Uh, yeah, watch it. It's fun. It's it's good. Queen of the South on it. I'm yeah. on it. Queen of the South on Netflix on it. So I've got another thing. So as you know, some of our listeners know I'm a runner. I'm a runner. I've been for many, 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 many years at this point. Uh, running. A, a road running. <laughs> I was running. Uh, I've been a, primarily a road runner. So someone that runs on the... Maybe. Uh, yeah, exactly. A road runner. Uh, someone that runs on, co- on concrete or pavement by and large. Um, in the last six months... I have made a shift to trail running, uh, and and it wasn't it wasn't sort of uh, a- anything that happened uh, by a single decision. It just sort of one day I was running with my buddy John, and we saw this trail entrance, and we we're like, let's check that out. So I have in the last you know six months run literally over a thousand miles on the trails here in Eugene. And we have this fantastic trail system, but I needed to uh, up my game in terms of footwear because I was having some, uh, I was having some foot issues, right? I I developed some plantar fasciitis, which I'm still dealing with and some other foot things. And so I had to find trail shoes. Mm -hmm. I bought trail shoes, I think back in 2006 or seven. And that decision was kind of difficult to make uh, at the time, but it was made easier because there was just kind of a small selection. And here's what you look for in trail shoes. I, in the last month, decided I really need to get some trail shoes and pulled up, you know, recommendations for trail shoes. And it is, it's a crazy, it's a brave new world, man. It is because so many trail shoes are used as like all terrain, all purpose. Yes. Uh shoes that's right like in lieu of boots they're sort of like hybrid hiking Mm -hmm. slash trail shoes and so i i sort of picked a pony i picked a pony as you do and i got these shoes in and and i thought well this is a this is something that is is a hard decision to make and i got the shoes and i was really nervous that i was going to not like them for one reason or another there's a lot of communications about how heavy a trail shoe is uh the flexibility I picked a shoe from a brand that I'm really comfortable with, Brooks, and I got the Brooks Cascadia, which is like maybe the oldest trail shoe on the face of the earth. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So I so so my other thing for this week is a Brooks Cascadia 14. And I don't want to present that as as something that is um definitive, but but what I do want to present it as is is this idea that if you're if you're a runner or or if you're doing these things, I think that there is a place an ability for you to sort of reach outside the GQ or the the um you, you know gear patrol or whatever reviews you know go to your local running store and say well what do I need here because these are the guys that are sort of above guys and gals that are sort of above marketing right they're just selling shoes that that work for people that they, and they know work they're at a running store that's right that's right um so i wound up with the shoe it's the brooks cascadia 14 i'll put a link to it uh it, it's not going to work for everybody right it, it's not like a uh 
But if you want a trail running shoe, whoa, you That's should okay. buy a trail running shoe from a company that has made their name with running shoes. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, when, when you buy Solomon, you're buying a trail running shoe designed by people who design hiking boots. Yeah. It's not a trail running shoe. It's a, it's a lightweight boot. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, and, and maybe that's a little bit of a pitch for your local brick and mortar too. I, I, I think that's a, that's a thing that I sort of want to pitch. Uh, support those local brick and mortars, not only at a philosophical level, but also at a, just a strategic level. It makes sense for you to a support that resource. So you continue to have it and, and B, um, to, to use that, to use that as a, as a pivot point for your, for your consumption. Right. And get that personal touch. Right. Right. So, uh, I know we, we've talked about this before. I don't know who wants to go first, but Lauren or Lorenzo, either one we're fine with other things. Go. I'll go first because I think my other thing is a bit darker than Lauren's. Fantastic. We'll start on a high note. Leave on a high note. Yeah, So I just watching The Leftovers on HBO. No? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Leftovers. Yeah, we're into it. You know, the problem is when when we talk, it sort of, uh, it cuts off your guys' guys' audio. So uh, if we're silent, it's because we're listening. Hanging in suspense. All right, so anyway, I just finished uh, watching The Leftovers on HBO, and the premise of the show is that 2% of the world's population suddenly disappears, which is darkly apt for the time that we're in now. So if you're somewhat masochistic, I would highly recommend this show because philosophically it has a lot to say about all the uncertainty and darkness we're going through right now it's 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 it was a meaningful show back when it aired and it's especially meaningful now you you know we've so actually that was i think my other thing in like episode 10 or Mm -hmm. or 11 somewhere early on we watched it right as it was wrapping my wife and i watched it right as it was wrapping and we watched the whole thing like just watched it in like a single gulp and i loved it i loved it 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 was that right mix of sort of pulpy and 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 good yeah it's it's amazing yeah (laughs) i i couldn't i started watching it with lorenzo but i was like i gotta nope nope out of this it was (laughs) so 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 serious and by the end of it i was getting back I, I watched like the last few episodes with Lorenzo, but it was just so frustrating. The feeling of not knowing. I realized that's on purpose, but it was just so relentlessly serious and dark. I was like, I can't take this. I, um, so what is your other thing? My other thing mm-hmm. is totally different. You went down a, a weird path, but I've been experimenting with, different cooking during quarantine and I've made the needless bread, the no need bread, right? That everyone's made. Um, but I've also started brewing my own kombucha. Oh, so, do you, you have the full setup like in your kitchen right now, that disgusting kombucha setup? You've got the Scooby. Oh, you do. Gosh, you guys on the shelf. Gross. Yeah. Mine lives on top of the fridge, and I hate it. I hate looking at it. It's this disgusting. It, Andrew's like, wife is into it. Oh yeah, she brews kombucha with with 
regularity. And you know what I like about homebrewed kombucha? And I, and I, so commercial kombucha tastes like vinegar. It is, it is, but I hate it. Home kombucha is tart and delightful. And I, I was a little bit, uh, apprehensive of trying it when my wife made it. Yeah. Because it's, it's so bad out of a commercial bottle. Well, the reason I decided to do it was because kombucha was something that I, I tolerably, I liked, but I liked just enough, but not enough to feel good about like buying a bottle every day because here it's like $4 a bottle mm. and you're like, you know, puckering as it's going down. You're like, okay. But I always felt good after drinking it. And so it's the perfect thing to make yourself because it's really easy and it's really inexpensive and you can flavor it however you want. And the scubby is like, I am both like deeply in love with mine and deeply repulsed by it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> any tips or tricks? So if we're, if we're going to make a scubby at home, what do we do? There's no tricks. It's totally a mystery. No one knows like why or how it really forms or what it is exactly. It's just like a, bacteria and yeast that have made a gelatinous little form a snot puddle uh, a snot puddle on top of your beverage it's a little it's 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 firm and squishy and slimy and poops out a lot of good you know nutrients and makes you you know this kombucha is like thousands of years old and has survived i guess because people have felt it benefited them in some way there's something so, very John Carpenter about the idea of the whole thing, right? It's like, this is a life form that's come to colonize, yeah. literally. I, I recently had to um, had to uh, cut mine up a little bit because it was getting too big, and I felt deep, deep guilt about throwing part of it in the trash. Uh, kombucha makes a really good uh, cocktail mixer with gin, just as a heads up. Mm. You know, my home brew, I think, has enough alcohol in it, but <laughs> I will but definitely, I will, I will definitely uh, try the gin edition as well. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, so I do want to uh, ask you real quick. So, so website, if we're going to type this into the Google, what's the website? LaurierWatches.com. L-O-R-I-E-R. L-O-R-I-E-R watches.com and it's laurier and not laurier if you're listening to episode one just know that we were idiots yeah bruschetta Laura. man we say it how we want yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we're not picky yeah we yeah. say it the british way you know um but it's actually it's an old french word um for the word laurel which is the root of both of our names and also has some very nice universal symbolism to it you know the laurel wreath and all that so you know, we didn't That's talk about we didn't talk about the names of your watches and the names uh, and really the name of, of Laurier itself. But the the naming conventions that you guys have employed, both for the brand itself and for the watches, is kind of fun. You know, we we love we love mythology around here, and uh, you guys have done some cool things there. So, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. It's it's, it's been a treat. Yeah. It, I mean, for, for us mostly. So thanks for uh, tolerating us for uh, a l little over an hour here. You guys have been great.
Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, this has been so much fun. Anytime, just call us back. We're here, you know. And we'll post your number in the show notes so people can reach out to you directly. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, guys. <laughs> Uh, and, and and thank you for joining us for another episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Check out Laurier Watches at laurierwatches.com or at laurierwatches on Instagram. Uh, and don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>